Um, if you would, just go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke 10, 25 through 37. We're going to start with the reading of the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm not sure if you've heard this story before. It's a, an amazing parable. It starts and it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. And he's talking to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and he's replying with an illustration. He says, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave him to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay him when you come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man and fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's go ahead and just bow our heads and pray real quick. Lord, I just pray that as we read your word today, that we will understand it and leave it better than when we came this morning. And that through the story of the Good Samaritan, we will learn more about you and your compassion. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you're ever sick or you're not feeling good. You love to be cared for, right? You kind of like, it's kind of special to be kind of babied. I don't know about you, but um, earlier this year, I went in for just a minor surgery. No big deal. Test came back. Everything's good. But I went in for this minor surgery, and when I woke up from the anesthesia, I, I woke up in this, like, cocoon bed that I had never experienced before, and I thought, okay, this is so amazing. I want this at my house. It's really weird, but this is so amazing. It was like, imagine, like, bubble wrap that you get in, in a package, literally filled with hot air, and then a blanket wrapped around me, and I just remember laying there going, this is amazing. This is in January of this year, guys, so imagine after this last year, I was like, this is the closest thing I'm getting to the spa right now. I'm laying here in this little warm cocoon, and I started to open my eyes, and then I think the nurse kind of looked at me, so I could shut them really quickly, and I was like, I'm going to just go back to bed. I got to enjoy this before I go home, and then she's like, would you like a juice box, Miss Anderson? I'm like, yes, of course I want a juice box. Would you like another juice box? Yes, I want more juice boxes. I was totally fine being cared for, being taken care of. And I'm sure that you may relate and you may feel that same way. You like to be cared for. But some of us, some of us may not feel like caring for other people comes as easily for us. You know, if you're a mom, you're like, I woke up caring whether I liked it or not this morning. I took care of a baby while my eyes were still closed. They were on top of me. So some of us, it's like, 
this is just, I wake up like this. Some of us, it may not come as natural. But I want to show you in this passage that it, Jesus is talking about care and compassion. He's talking about how it's through care and compassion that we love. And I think one thing that has been amazing in our culture that, we, that I'm sure we all do is we, we're like, I love you right? We all are just really open about, I love you. I love you, man. Love you, girl. I'm sure some of us, you don't have to raise your hand. You've maybe even commented on somebody's IG post. You've never even met them personally, and you're like, I love you. I love you. I'm a fan. Fangirl out, right? So we're all about saying I love you, but I think that that love needs to be backed by some measure of care, right? I think it's through care and compassion that we see love, that we actually experience it and we best express that love. So if you're taking, um, uh, taking notes today, you can title today's message, Care About You. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about serving and caring. And I really want to just point back to the scripture where it says in Luke 10, 33, it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. That line is what really stands out, when he had compassion. And that's really where it starts. The first place where serving starts, it starts with compassion. And I think compassion is the starting point of any action or any ministry, because love is best demonstrated by compassionate care. I think it's um, so amazing. It says in five times, it's shown five times in the gospel of Matthew and Mark, it describes Jesus as being moved by compassion. And I think that's so beautiful that it's showing Jesus's heart towards others, and that is with compassion. It says here in Mark 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Matthew 14, 14, and when he went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And here's another one, and when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her. And this one, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Jesus paused long enough in each one of these situations to show his compassion where these people were at, their physical needs, their health, their purpose, and their future. And I think compassion is so best illustrated by, by what you care about. And compassion is really what motivated us to start Seasons Church. We were living in Los Angeles at the time, and we were we knew we wanted to plant a church, and we were just praying about where that would be. And every city needs great churches. Every city needs more churches. But we knew that Denver needed more churches. And we cared, and we had compassion. We came and visited Denver, and we were excited to plant Seasons Church here in Denver. And we've been showing that care and compassion through various different opportunities and serving events. Before we ever had our first launch service, we did a serve day, like the one we're getting ready to do this Saturday. We did a serve day, and we were able to help serve the tangible needs in our city, and we've continued doing that. And even when COVID tried keeping us apart, tried stopping us from doing that, we were still able to do a grocery outreach and find ways to meet the needs of people in our city. And that's really what's motivated us because when you care, you desire to know. And I think um, it's best shown 
in your relationships and within your home. And then that can be expressed within your city. So Josh isn't here today, and I have the microphone, so I get to tell stories about him, right? So we've been married 19 years. This past Tuesday, we just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. So crazy, yeah. But one thing that I learned really quickly when I married Josh was he liked to be fed. So if you love me, you feed me, is kind of what I noticed with him. He didn't say that. I just noticed that. And so one of the things I would try to do is make it easy on him. And especially this past year, working at home, having four kids, homeschooling. And, you know, you don't want to really be interrupted with that workflow. And so I noticed, okay, this is important. He likes this. He likes to be cared for with food. He, you know, he looks in the fridge sometimes and it's like, I see a bunch of stuff, a bunch of ingredients. How, where does this all go? How do I put it together? And for him, it's like, this is just easier if I know what's already made. So I would just make meals for him, bring it to him outside if he's working outside or honestly hiding in the closet, working in there sometimes, true story, making smoothies because when I care, I desire to know. And I think it's the same thing in our relationships and that really that works in every sphere of your life. Um, Josh and I have these marriage coaches. They call, us, they call themselves coaches. They are therapists and they're incredible and they're amazing, but they like to do life with us and journey with us. And one of the things that they talk about when they're working with us is how care and compassion is the foundation of everything. They remind us, they're like, love isn't the problem. Love isn't the issue. Because sometimes love can mean different things to different people. Even when they talk about like our family of origin or within our own relationship, they're like, love isn't an issue. We know there was love there. But where was their care and compassion? Is their care and compassion being demonstrated in your relationship and within your home? And so the desire to have compassion and to know the needs relates in every area. And I think that there's some amazing people, even within our church, that really, truly demonstrate this. Kelly and Taryn, I know that when, whenever I'm talking to them, they see the needs of people. They, they, they care about people, and they're able to address those needs because they care. And I think that is so amazing to have that in your life. I just, in Romans 12, 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now, this is a heart-to-heart -heart connection. This isn't like a head-to-heart head telling somebody what to do. This is a heart-to-heart -heart connection when you're with somebody because people will know your heart with the way that you respond. And it's one thing to teach compassion, and it's another thing to live it. It's another thing to live it in your marriage, in your work, and in your church, and in your community. And when you're showing compassion, when you're showing that care, you're entering into that person's life and truly forgetting about yourself in that moment. I love this verse, or not verse, <laughs> this quote by Andy Stanley. He says, as Christians, while we may be criticized for what we believe, we should be famous for our compassion and our generosity, right? Isn't that good? I just love that. We should be famous for our compassion and our generosity. And that's really where it starts. It starts by having compassion for people. And the gift of compassion is something that we are all able to possess. 
Now, in that story in Luke 10, we saw the Levite and the priest, they did not show compassion. They, they passed him by. They weren't feeling it. They did not show what the Samaritan was showing. And that's really what separated them from this story. But here at Seasons, we see serving as an invitation. We see serving as an opportunity. And like we saw in the verse, it says, they both passed by on the other side. Now, the, the priest and the Levite, they were frequent travelers down this road. They would, this isn't something that was uncommon. This is a road that they would travel down. And you would think, given their position, given that, hey, this is a priest, he would stop maybe, right? He would show some mercy. He would show compassion. They actually, neither of them did. And you may be thinking, I, I kind of think of maybe what are the excuses that both of them had what they could have been thinking, the thoughts that were going through their head when they saw this man laying there. Maybe it was, I just got to get to work or to home or, or, or back to my wife, right? I got to get back. Or, you know what? This guy looks so far gone. I can't, I can't do anything. I don't even know first aid. Like, what am, I, what am I going to do? I'm just one person. Or how about this one? I'll pray for him. I'm going to just keep going, but I'm going to pray for him. I'm guilty of that. I don't know about you, but there are times when there's people where you're just like, I'm going to pray for them. And then that's wonderful, and it is good, but I think you discover your heart posture when you're interrupted. Nine years ago, I found myself in the ER. Okay, a lot of hospital stories, and really okay, but it just happens to be, right, with care and compassion, right? But I found myself in the ER, and I was going to go through an emergency surgery, and in that room, Josh is like texting everybody and letting everybody know what's going on, what's happening, and we're kind of still figuring out what's happening. And we text one of my friends, Brenda, and her response to the text was, I'm on my way. And that's really what she was the entire time. She is that I'm on my way kind of friend. She showed up in that hospital room, and she couldn't do anything medically. She couldn't really do anything. She did bring us food. You know, that's always helpful. And she prayed with us. She she was there for us. And I ended up being in and out of the hospital and having a surgery and, you know, in and out of urgent care at various times for over the past six weeks. But that, Brenda was there every step. She was She was the type of person that did not see this as an interruption. She saw this as an invitation. And I I just encourage you to see that as well. Because if you see serving as a task or an obligation, you'll only see it as an inconvenience. But I'm trying to get you to see that it's an invitation. The priest and the Levite saw this as an inconvenience. So ask yourself, do I see serving as an interruption Do I see people as an interruption maybe to just avoid? Or do I see people in serving as an open door and an opportunity? Because serving isn't conditional. It should truly be a way of life. And where God has you, where God has you in your marriage, in your relationships, in your home, in your church, and in your community, that's where he's called you to serve. Because So if you're wondering, I don't even know where to start, you start by serving where you are at. Now, instead of passing the Jewish man by, the Samaritan loved him sacrificially. That is a heavy word if you really think about it. He didn't, he didn't wait to be asked. He saw the need in front of him, and he did what he knew he needed to be done. And he gave freely of his time and his resources. 
But by giving of his time and resources, it means that compassion, it'll cost you. Compassion costs you. Now, there was two things that he did. It said that he, was, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Now, the wine had an antiseptic effect on his wounds. So this was healing to the Samaritan. And then the oil helped soothe the wounds, which eased his pain. So this brought comfort. So already the Samaritan, he's bringing healing and comfort for this man. Now, there were other two things that cost him. It said in the verse that he set him on his own animal. Think about that. If he set him on his own animal, that meant that the Samaritan walked the rest of his way. So when you sacrifice or excuse me, when you serve, you are sacrificing. And he, it also says that he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. It says that this amount would have, been, uh, would have paid for the man's needs in the end for at least two to three weeks. So that means that when you're serving and when you're sacrificing, it's going to cost you financially. You're generous with not just your time, you're generous also with your finances. I don't know about you, but when I'm cared for, I think differently. I think about life differently. I think about myself differently. And I would imagine you would probably think of yourself the same way when you're cared for. And I think this is true of other people when they're met with a tangible need because it helps their view of God because we're the hands and feet of God and it helps them see God in a different way. Now, this is about responding to the one. The Samaritan responded to the one. He didn't go, he didn't set up a hospital for all the unfortunate travelers along this road. He responded to the one. And I think that that's where it starts, the one that's in front of us. I love this quote by um, Alexander McLaren. It says, the world would be a changed place if every Christian attended to the sorrows that are plain in front of him. So what this means is do what you wish you could do for all for one. Focus on the one that is in front of you. Start by reaching your road, your home, where you're at, where God has called you. So we see that serving starts with compassion. We see that if we view serving as an invitation, then we can be able to see that serving is our calling. And how do we know that serving is our calling? It says here in Luke 10, 23, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think the lawyer in this passage was struggling with this. He's struggling with this concept of who is my neighbor. And he's kind of telling on himself because he's asking. He, he already knows because he repeated it. He said he to love your neighbor as ourself, but then he's like, well, who is my neighbor? And I think he, in the first command, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he might be internally thinking, check, got that, good, I'm good, I love you, Lord, I can do that. But then it's like, okay, love your neighbor as yourself? He didn't seem so sure about this. Now, I think it could be was he making excuses? Was he looking for an easy way out? Was he maybe thinking about what neighbor is, how that is defined, whom is my neighbor? Or did he actually understand the weight of what neighbor meant? I don't know, you know, we get to choose our friends, right? We don't get to choose our family, and we don't get to choose sometimes our neighbor. 
And I think we, um, Jesus redefines neighbor with an illustration. It says, a certain man went down to Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And then in verse 31, we see the Samarit- that the priest passed by and we see the Levite did the same. But the Samaritan is the one who showed compassion. And, the, and Jesus asked the lawyer, he says, so which of these three do you think was the neighbor? The priest and the Levite were neighbors to the man, but they actually did not act like neighbors at all. And Jesus is telling us this story to let the lawyer know that had he followed the first commandment, the second commandment would have been much easier. It wouldn't have, it w- he wouldn't have struggled with that. And I think he, it's also because he's asking, who is my neighbor? What does that mean? I think we all, it's easy to love a version of yourself, right? You're like, okay, I like sports. You like sports? Awesome. We can get along. I like hiking. Kind of, I like hiking and brunch. But we could get along, right? Okay, I like coffee. Anyone else like coffee, right? Okay, yes. <laughs> so I love venti coffee, okay? It's not a type of drink. It's a size, right? If you get a Starbucks, I like a venti. And if I see somebody with a venti coffee, I'm like, yes, you get me. I love it. Maybe it's like this excuse to justify the just unhealthy amounts of caffeine that I'm consuming. But I like people like me, right? I think we all do. But when But true love is really not love unless you're loving people different from you. That's showing true love. And love is about care and concern for others and their interests. And when you see people around you as valuable with honor, how God made them, you're able to love them. So what does neighbor mean? Our neighbor is sometimes not even defined by proximity. Our neighbor is defined by perspective. And it's meeting the need that um, that the person has in front of you. And Jesus redefined neighbor. He says, the one who showed him mercy. It's the one who did something. The one who took action. And Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of the story. And the Samaritan is like Jesus. And every part in the story, the story is pointing to Jesus. And in the story, he's showing us that we get to be a part of his mission every time we're serving and caring and having compassion on other people. And we know that serving is our calling because we are called to be more like Jesus, right? So if we're called to be more like Jesus, serving is our calling. This verse in Mark 10, 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the ultimate example of serving. And I think some people see serving as what does this do for me? What's the title? You know, does this feel good? And serving does benefit you. There's tons of studies that show in grief with depression that serving is good for you. Serving helps you. And I think that that is amazing. But serving is not about how many people are serving you. Serving is about um Sorry, excuse me. Normally, people estimate greatness by how many people serve and honor them. But I love how Jesus reminds his followers 
that in the kingdom, it should be different and that we should estimate greatness by how we serve and honor other people. Matthew 23, 11 through 12 says, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus was truly the greatest among them. He spoke of himself as a servant. Here at Seasons, we often say if you're, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Because as servant leadership is a cultural piece here at Seasons. It's the, the heart of serving that we see, um, that you see yourself and see your role. It, it's a heart issue because all leadership is serving. And leadership is about who you are and what you have to serve other people. And how do people know? People know that you care through your response and through your actions. And this goes through your marriage, your community. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I want to lead, I want to be a leader, or maybe I don't feel like a leader in my home, it starts by serving where you're at. Be the greatest servant among them. And serving is a calling because we value people. Your love for God is only revealed in your love for people. And I think it's a, amazing. We have, again, so many amazing servant leaders here in our church. But Ellie on the front, right here up front, we have Reed. You never, like, see them here on a Sunday serving and getting the impression, I don't want to be here. No, they love serving. They love serving the children and the people at Seasons Church. Imagine what our church would look like if we all grabbed onto this perspective that serving is our calling. We all have a personal responsibility because we want to be more like Jesus. So serving is our calling. And when we do the works of God, it makes way for the word of God. As I was thinking about this message and even thinking about this upcoming day with Serve Day, it, I thought serving isn't an event. Serving is a way to live daily. Let me say it this way. Serving isn't an event. It's a lifestyle. And it comes from your heart perspective. And it's through Jesus that we're able to express and experience care and compassion and our pursuit of Jesus becoming more like him means that we're serving, we're caring, and we have compassion for people around us. Because words may move, right? Words like saying, I love you, they may move us, but our hearts are what move us to action, and the action is showing our care. Yeah. 